Welcome to Interior Analysis. I'm Evan Westman. I'm Carla Cortez. And today we're going to be doing Inside Out, so this is going to be our first animated movie. Before we get into that, though, we have a bit of follow-up from A Star is Born. So my mom sent in a comment about some of the things we talked about with the songs in the movie, so I'm just going to read off what she sent in. So from my memory, you did you both didn't think there was much of a response from Jackson about Allie's new song, about his genes and whatever. I actually thought there was a lot of tension and stress on the relationship after that song's video shooting. Just after that, Allie's in the bath, and there's a very tense dialogue between her and Jackson regarding the cheesiness of that song, the potential for a boyfriend. She kicks him out of the bathroom, likely because she knows he's right about her stooping to produce a low-level song to enhance her popularity, rather than write meaningful songs like she'd been doing since the night that they met. I thought this was well-addressed. Also, I think it's worth mentioning, maybe you did, that the songs themselves are really relevant to the stage of their relationship and other aspects of the story. For instance, the song just before Allie's career really takes off is I'll Always Remember Us This Way. This is when Allie and Jackson are really clicking as a couple and musically. He, I think, is also drinking less. They're at their peak and they'll never be better. Just after this, Allie gets picked up by the producer, dyes her hair red, and starts singing the cheesy song purposely called something like This Isn't Me. And this is when their relationship goes south. He starts drinking and taking drugs more. We didn't really talk about that, I guess. That's the end of the comment. Um, <laughs> I think I did kind of say that like they, the songs didn't relate directly. Mm-hmm. After looking at it that way, I, I do agree. I don't think they relate as much as something like City of Stars and La La Land. Like that... I don't know what all the symbolism is, but it clearly has symbolism. Yeah, that was kind of a musical almost, because it was just like they would break out in song in the middle of the scene. So it's like talking about... Yeah, it's a different kind of song. Right. Yeah, it's still worth mentioning. If people have other thoughts, feel free to send them in. Okay, so before we get into like the actual topics about this, we asked for people to send in their, like who would play their emotions. My nine-year-old sister Amanda sent in all Harry Potter characters. So for her, joy is Hermione, sadness is Ron, fear is Neville, anger is Harry, and disgust is Snape. Uh, I don't oh, know funny. if I would agree with all of those, but I, I mean, I think they work. I That's interesting, tying two completely different movies with that. That's really cool. And then my dad sent in joy is Buddy the Elf. <laughs> His sadness is a cartoon character called Glum from Gulliver's Travels. Fear is an actor called Don Knotts from the 50s to, like, the 80s. Anger is Jack Nicholson. Disgust is Jim Carrey. Anger is Jack Nicholson. That's a good... I like that one. Yeah, I don't really see Disgust as Jim Carrey. I, maybe I just haven't seen him in the right stuff. He's just... Maybe maybe your dad is making a reference to The Mask. I mean, maybe, but isn't he really, like, over the top like he always is yeah. in that? And, like, turned up to an 11? Like, that doesn't feel like Disgust to I me. feel like if Disgust and Happiness... <laughs> were one, that would be Jim Carrey. That could work, yeah. <laughs> so I read Evan's question completely wrong. Um, he actually asked me this question like two weeks ago. It's not wrong. <laughs> well, it's like, okay, well, I read it. I misread. Anyway, basically, I thought he was saying, like, what character would you be? And I <laughs> walked into this room, like, what, like 10 minutes ago and was like, oh, by the way, I would be disgusted. And Evan was like, what? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, if you had to be a character or an emotion, what would you be? 
And right. Definitely comment that, but I know I would be disgusted because. <laughs> yeah, you were saying you think that that would be like the leader because, like, if you notice. Yes, him, the leader in yeah. Yeah, because yeah. in like the parents' heads, you see like the the moms right. kind of has sadness as her head, and the dad has anger, anger. and then obviously Joy is Riley's main one. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think mine would definitely be discussed. <laughs> yeah. I mean if you wanna if you wanna bring in like your characters on a later episode, that's fine. I'll, we'll yeah. like people can still you guys can still send in your answers later. Yeah, definitely do so. It'd be it'd be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. For mine I did um I've mentioned this like on other episodes, but I'll say it again since this is the real one. So for Joy I would have Edgar Wright, the director of like Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim and uh, Shaun mm. of the Dead. Yeah, I love his movies. They're just, like, so fun. Mm -hmm. For anger, like, real anger, I would say Cobb from Inception. Just kind of, like, mild irritation. I would do Martin Freeman. Mm -hmm. And then the character, I mean, he's a real person, but Eduardo Saverin from The Social Network would be Sadness. V from V for Vendetta is Disgust. And then Amelie Poulain from Amelie is Fear. Did you do anything with the core memories and the islands of personality? Okay. I. You know, that's funny that we're going to get into this topic right now because... I was actually thinking about how all of Riley's core memories were all positive and happy and blah, blah, blah. I kind of wish Pixar kind of, like, took that risk of maybe having one bad core memory. Because I know that, like, every single person on this planet definitely has at least one bad core memory that they either, like, learned from or, like, were scarred for life. I'm sorry that this is so morbid, but... Um, no, it's... I'm, it's fine. So I actually, I, it's funny because I actually thought of like, I thought of my happy core memories and I definitely relate to the family one. I know when I was a kid, like, you know, like my, I don't know, my, my parents like a, adore the crap out of me and my brothers. So like, I went, you know, when those cute little like happy moments, the happy family moments were happening, I would really like relate that to my core memories of my parents and my family. So that was really cool, but then, like, I, I started to actually think about, like, I don't know, like, one or two bad core memories from my childhood, and I was like, wow, like, it would be interesting to see, like, I guess that, like, one of my bad core memories would probably be, like, uh, I'm not going to mention it, but, like, it would probably have a world, and, like, the world, or, like, the little island would probably be, like, scary and upsetting. And yeah, like, it would be, I, that, that was something I hadn't thought of, because, like, mm -hmm. I mean, we do see that there are, like, because the one at the end is, like, kind of a mixed core memory where it's not just happy. Right. But I, I hadn't thought of that, of, like, what island of personality from something that isn't joy, what does mm. that look like? Because we don't get to see that. Right. There's only, like, two I can think of for mine for core memories. Mm. One, it's kind of small, but, like, and it's definitely the ball is green for disgust. Um, <laughs> I guess the name of the the island of personality would probably be like minimalism island would be like the best I could think of. Mm -hmm. There was this one time when I was like 12, I saw this $25,000 watch for sale on um, Rodeo Drive in California. And like to this day, I cannot get over the fact that there is a $25,000, <laughs> like you can buy a car for that amount of money. Right. And then I guess kind of the island that like this podcast stems from like the creation of this was mm -hmm. when I read the FAQ page for Inception for like an hour and a half when I was 15. Aww. That's probably my screenwriting island of personality too. like stem from like bits oh. of that memory. Yeah. That's so sweet. Well, I just, I remember like, I can still remember how I felt reading that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's definitely a core memory there. Yeah. So like, this is, I mean, obviously I think a lot of people relate to this movie on a personal level. 
I like to think that I do more than most people. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, like, so yeah, tell your your story because Evan was telling me earlier how. Um, well, we you can yeah, go okay. ahead well, take no, take fine. the stage. <laughs> um, yeah, so like me and my family grew up. Um, so my dad's in the military, so we moved around a lot. I think I've moved probably like six, seven, eight times, including like coming to college. But I don't know if I really count that. Mm-hmm. I guess I can, and like. I mean, for anyone who's moved, and obviously it's not exclusive to military people, but, like, it's never, like, a perfectly smooth transition, but there are some that are, like, easier than others. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the one that was the toughest for me was when I was 11, just like Riley is in this movie, because it's just, like, that's kind of a weird time. And so this came out when I was, like, 16, so I was, like, well removed from, like, the experience of that particular move when I saw it. But I remember going into it and I was like, oh, it's about moving. Like, there's no way they're going to be able to give justice to it. And they totally do. That moment when, in the classroom, when sadness turns to, like, the happy core memories into sad core memories. Like, I know exactly what that feels like. It's like, it's basically nostalgia, I think. It's like, she's realizing that I can't go back. Like, I can't go back to Minnesota. And the thought of, like, returning to... Minnesota to create more happy memories in the movie it kind of sounds they kind of make it sound like a ridiculous idea and in a way it is but I remember having that feeling for a while where it was like this place that I'm in kind of sucks and maybe if we moved back to one of those other places it would be fine and I ended up kind of getting disillusioned from that later and like it took me a little while longer to but like that experience that Riley has in the classroom I was like okay I know exactly what that feels like so I I mess with this movie I know that's not the phrase but we got to keep this one of all episodes clean right. so now, I think um I think with movies that that hit you more than others are the ones that I, I hate using the word relatable but are the movies where you can see yourself and you're like oh my gosh I know exactly what you're going through right yeah. now and or if you're going, even if you're going through a rough period, I, I've noticed very, very quick sidetrack. I've noticed that some of my favorite movies definitely stem from a time period when I first watched them, and during that time period, I was going through a rough period of my life. And then when you watch a movie where you immediately like find closure in it because you're like, wow, like okay, like this is how they handled it. Maybe yeah. I can try that or. You know, this is how they feel, and that kind of feels good that, like, someone else gets that. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's really cool that you can relate to this movie with those aspects. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a little more, like, removed because I saw it after. But, like, right, I mean, yeah, that's it's... actually something that one of my screenwriting professors talks about a lot is, like, the way that movies can kind of be, like, I don't know exactly what he called it, but something like medicine for the soul or something. Yeah. I don't think that's exactly the phrase he used, but something like that. Right. I, I think a lot of this, too, is, like, They make Riley someone that's, like, they they make her specific enough, but also, like, you can kind of project yourself onto her a lot Mm -hmm. through, like, like, everyone kind of has that equivalent, I think, of, you know, they don't have necessarily, like, Honesty Island, but they have that kind of personality trait, or they don't have Hockey Island, but they have something that they're into. Right. And then, obviously, people can, like, project their relationships onto an island like that. And they they give her, like, specific people and specific things, but it's general enough that you can kind of, you can watch it as if you're her, which I think is pretty cool that they can do that. I think, um, real quick, going back to something you said about uh, sadness, kind of, you know, when she touches the memory sphere, 
how it turns blue and she gets and Riley gets sad about that. I, I, yeah, it. I think it is nostalgia. I think that's the perfect representation of nostalgia and how, how yeah, all of a sudden you have this happy memory and then you you kind of feel like upset after. Right, because it's in the past. It's in the past. You can't reach it. You can't recreate it. The same moment in time. The same age. Everything. I yeah. I big props to Pixar. For, or for the director of the movie. Um, yeah, Pete Doctor, just for reference. Yes, for representing nostalgia in such a lighthearted way. I don't know if it's that lighthearted. It's, I, mean. It's, I mean, of course she starts crying, but I think the lightheartedness comes more from like when they're like panicking. You know, it, comes, yeah, it, it goes Well, it's certainly kid-friendly, but it exactly. is like they're dealing with some really deep stuff here. Oh, yeah. So the first topic we have is is like sadness as the answer. So this was like something else that kind of surprised me because, you know, when you go to see a Disney movie, I mean, they're notorious for like sometimes killing off like the parent character really early on, mm-hmm. even though it's supposed to be a kid's movie. Like there are so many Pixar deaths. But <laughs> I was really not expecting that they would sort of endorse sadness almost like they do at the end. And it's not like a full endorsement, but they're like, there's a place for it. And that's kind of, that's basically the arc that Joy and Riley go through is that at the beginning, she's introduced as like a problem to avoid. It's like, yeah, disgust kind of keeps us safe. Fear is like, tells us what lines not to cross and the anger like stands up for our rights. Sadness is just kind of like. She kind of ruins everything. Yeah. yeah. And. At the beginning. Well, right. But that's, that's how she's introduced. Right. And. You almost, you get angry. She's the frustrating character. Even when like, yeah, like the classroom scene when Riley was standing there and like talking and then like sadness, not, not just once touches the sphere and makes things terrible. She does it twice. And it's like, what yeah. are you doing? Like you like get so angry with her and you're like, please stop. Also, who's the voice director for sadness? Um, remember? It's Phyllis Smith. She's the. She plays the character Phyllis in The Office. Okay, I was about to say, because they sounded... I was like, that yeah. has to be... Phyllis. And then Mindy Kaling from The Office is right. also um, discussed. Discussed. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. So yeah, Sadness and Joy... I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but they're kind of more mood-based, I feel like, than the other ones. Like, disgust, anger, and fear all kind of motivate action as, like, their primary thing. Joy mm-hmm. and Sadness are kind of more, like... They don't necessarily... When they take control, it's not necessarily initiating anything. It's just kind of like telling Riley more explicitly how she feels and like a general mood. At least that's how I read it. But I kind of noticed that like the way that they use sadness in the whole movie is like she's kind of who you call in a crisis. When they're, I think especially one of the most important parts of the movie, it's, it's, it's kind of a quiet sequence. But when they first move into the house, there's like a series of like five or six disappointments that they have. I think first it's like they get there and the house is kind of a dump right. or it's like dusty or whatever. Right. And then the their stuff mouse. isn't there. The dead mouse thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, the dead mouse is, I think is a little more of a gag. But mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of thing. And then like their stuff isn't there. And then the dad has to leave and the, the pizza is kind of lame. And then there's like that first moment where sadness turns one of the happy memories sad just mm-hmm. from the trip. I think that is the moment when sadness is starting to alert everyone else in her own roundabout way that, like, we have to figure this out. Even though we're trying to make the best of this, maybe we do really need to acknowledge that, like, things aren't necessarily as good as we're trying to make them seem. Interesting. I didn't get that, but to kind of 
agree with you. I, I feel like, yeah, there were moments where she was like, well, maybe I can help. And then everyone be like, stay away from... Because her impulsive decisions didn't go well. And so everyone immediately was like, please just stay away. And then she was like, well, no. like, But yeah, okay. To a certain extent, yes. And I think we see... I think we see a, a turnaround when Bing Bong is like really upset because his like his home basically yeah is, when is he loses his down. rocket yeah when you know yeah when he loses and then like you know Joy is trying to be like happy and and peppy and well how about this how about that and then like again like that movie did a really good job in showing that sometimes you just need to accept that you're sad yeah you need to talk about that so I agree with you on in that sense that she definitely. The whole time was kind of trying to be like, maybe we should not try to make things happy all the time and see if with a different emotion we'll get somewhere. Yeah, because that's kind of that's kind of what ends up happening throughout like the rest of it is that I mean basically it's exemplified in that one memory that they go back to a couple times in like the second half of the movie where it was like like everyone was brought together out of sadness and something better was created right. which is kind of like the arc of the whole movie is that like by acknowledging we're in a new situation that isn't necessarily one that we want to be in we can try to make the best of it mm-hmm. i just think that moment at the beginning when they first move in is kind of the first sense of that where riley's kind of trying to convince herself that like no it's not that bad yet and then finally when they get to school she's like no like this is is bad yeah and like basically what i think is happening there is like the move is pushing sadness out of her shell and because she's kind of been suppressed forever like for riley's whole life she has to do these roundabout things and like sneak in and change the memory but like it seems like her power is kind of like bottled and growing like the fact that she can change a memory but none of the rest of them can i think that's something that can be read into i'm not totally sure like how to read into that but i think that there's something telling and intentional behind that right oh this is a question i have too is um do you think bing bong's death has anything to contribute to this theme i feel like it might but i don't really know what i i don't think so i definitely think his death was more so like kind of like one of those things where it's like sometimes you just have to let go of some childhood I don't want to say nuisances but like you want to let go of some like things that like you outgrow but also of course like the obvious meaning of like sacrifice and like doing you know doing what's best for like the bet like the overall betterment of the situation right because he kind of allows her to grow up in a sense yeah exactly he you know and I think he just accepted like oh I'm being forgotten, and she's growing up. And if I don't, if if I if I don't jump off this rocket, happiness is never gonna get, or joy is never gonna get back to headquarters. And then if she doesn't get back to headquarters, then like Riley's life is gonna be like ruined, basically. So, right. And and I'm yeah. kind of like the first viewing. It seems just kind of like a plot device to get her there. But you could definitely read into the symbolism of it. Like there's certainly enough there that. I mean, I don't know that I can, like, totally relate to that. I never had, like, an imaginary friend or something. Yeah, I, I mean, never had one either. I mean, I do in the sense that I create characters all the time. So, like, in a sense, those are... But <laughs> I don't... Film. I'm not, like, connected to them like a real person. Right. So I don't think that really counts. Right, right, right. Yeah, do you have anything else you want to say on this topic no, before well, we move on? No, what about your opinion? Like, what do you... What do you think with the question that you just asked me? Oh, I think I've kind of answered it as much as I can like he's kind of something that has to get left behind 
maybe in the same way that like leaving her life in Minnesota behind, at least in part. I guess there's kind of a connection to that. Mm. It's not that much of a connection, but there's something there, I suppose. So the next one is evoking emotion. So full disclosure, this is like the one movie that's actually brought me to tears. Only the second time I watched it, though, for some reason, which is a little weird. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple others that have come oh. close. The Game of Thrones episode from this past week, I got close at one point. Oh, but uh, <laughs> it's a good show. Oh, I used to watch it, and then, oh, whatever. We're going to digress, and I could talk about it forever, but anyway. Well, it was recent. It's um, a good, no, it's a great show. I'll give it that, but I have. Yeah, I'm planning another episode of that for some time down the line, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Anyway, I was thinking about that, though, because, like, well, I wanted to bring up this topic because it's like, how does, how, how is emotion actually evoked? in the movie. I think one thing is that the tragedies are kind of like small scale enough that we can relate to them. And there's, I talked about this a little bit earlier, that there's kind of a, like there's a general sense of Riley, but there's also kind of a more specific sense of her. And you were mentioning this before, uh, before we started recording, how she's like kind of someone that everyone can relate to. And she's a little bit like, she's, she definitely feels unique because she's like, she plays hockey, which is not like a, thing that girls stereotypically do so she's kind of accessible to like kids of kind of audience yeah a pretty wide audience yeah i mean that's like major props to like that movie and pixar for like defying gender norms in that movie and also i don't know there were so many instances where i was like wow like this is this is good this is they did good (laughs) anyway yeah keep going yeah well um i guess another thing that kind of helps is that i mean i guess a move is something that is like a good moment to center around because it's kind of a time when you can sort of restructure yourself the way that happens with riley in the movie and like it allows a lot of things to come to the surface and she starts questioning like we don't see a whole lot of like riley's past life but we get a sense of it throughout because there are things that are like coming up from her past and we this kind of the contrast with that and also because riley's a kid anyone who's watching either is or was a kid so that's helpful because it's like like i was saying earlier there's a lot of it doesn't like evoke nostalgia in like the stranger things kind of sense Mm -hmm. but it evokes nostalgia in that like it makes you start thinking about like what have i lost from my childhood or something like what do i miss and um another thing that i think really helps is that there's a lot of personal context that's given. When the islands of personality fall, and at the end when sadness is putting back all of the core memories, we don't just see those things happening. Like, it flashes to those memories, and we get, we see what she's, like, it gives us a lot more insight into what she's feeling. Mm-hmm. The scene when the first island falls, I think, is one of the most important ones in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, one, I mean, in a plot sense, it's like, more islands can fall. But it's also like... There's this whole chunk of her that's just kind of dead now, and it's tragic. Mm-hmm. So that was, I feel like that was something that helped, like, make this a emotional, quote, movie. Yeah. Yeah, do you have anything you want to add to that that's pretty much No, the... yeah, I, with the emotional aspects, there were, you know, yeah, there were definitely moments where I was just like, oh, like, and I think more so it's like, again your relation to the movie your personal relation like again like when uh when when the parents would like pick her up as a baby and toss her around and like be goofy with her and stuff like i definitely like yeah there were some teary-eyed moments because like it made me miss my dad and my mom and like 
my brother and like when we would goof around and stuff. So like, right? It's it's accessible to like in that it makes you think of those things. Right, it makes you think of those things, and it also like, of course, the number one thing that made everyone cry was Big Bang just dead because like that was like. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't feel like that was the biggest one, but that is the one that everyone seems really? to talk. Really. I mean, I didn't feel that, like, for me, but, but it does seem to be the one that everyone talks about. Right. And um, it's more so because he was, like, I think for what got me, what, like, his death was that, like, the way that he pretended, like, the whole time we kind of knew he was going to, like, jump off, but, like, he pretended to be, like, yeah, like, we're going to do it, we're going to yeah. do it, so that way that joy wouldn't prevent it from happening or joy he kind of let on joy so that way he right could, he kind of gave her hope that they would yeah. both be able to make it and then and then when like flipped it on her. yeah and then when she looks back and and she says like like bing bong no or whatever he goes take riley to the moon for me and yeah, then just that's, like that's the line that gets everyone. oh my god i literally was like what the heck yeah <laughs> i was like i'm so ready to sue pixar now <laughs> I mean, hey, you can't say they're not good at what they do, though. Oh, they're incredible. Honestly, like, there's no other animation company like Pixar. It's yeah, they run the market. I, I would agree with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Side note: th- this is actually the best animated movie I've ever seen. This actually made me w- like animated movies again. Like, I was kind of down on them, then I was like, whoa, this just like <laughs> blew my mind. Like, what yeah. else have I actually been missing? No, mad respect. Even the animation itself, like. If you look closely at all of their hair and, like, their the fibers in there, you can see the fibers in their clothes and on their skin. And, like, even in anger, when he gets mad and his head kind of, like, starts to, like, There's a change, lot of detail, you, yeah. Yeah, like, you can literally see his skin glistening. And that's crazy for animation. Yeah, I, I only ever noticed that kind of stuff when people pointed out to me. Like, I, mm-hmm. for me, like, basically, looking back at, like, Toy Story, like, I can see how it looks a little weird now. But, like, for right. most stuff, it's just kind of like, all right, yeah, it all looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but people are always talking about that with Pixar. Like, look at the detail, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah look at look the detail. At, that's actually really good. Look at Incredibles <laughs> 2 when there's a, there was this, like, picture going viral where um, the dad was holding up the baby, and he's wearing a blue shirt. And they zoom into the shirt, and you can see the little fuzz, like, wow. layer on it. Yeah, That like, is dedication. <laughs> it's insane. No, Pixar really, like, sends it. Like, they are yeah. they are all about detail and, and, and making it as realistic as possible while still keeping that animated yeah. thing over it. It's I think the, uh, the new Into the Spider-Verse animation, also that movie in general, like, huge contenders <laughs> to Pixar, finally something that's, for the first time, like, eight. Or ten years or something, Pixar didn't win Best Animated, which wow. I mean, that says a lot. Yeah, that, that says quite a lot. <laughs> so the next topic I I picked was um, world building with theme in mind. One of the, I mean, we talked about this a little bit already, but there's a lot of thought that clearly went into designing the way the mind was set up, with the way that like there was the long term memory and headquarters where all the emotions are, and they're kind of. They're a little kind of detached, really, from, like, all the emotion, mm-hmm. or, or not the emotion, uh, all the memories. The, the, yeah. And we have that moment at the beginning where, like, sadness is the only one who can um, navigate, like, the whole um, subconscious section or long-term memory because mm-hmm. she read up on it. I, I thought that was kind of cool on a symbolic level because it's kind of like, Joy keeps saying, like, sadness, like, I got this, I know Riley. But right. then sadness has read those mem- those manuals and Joy hasn't, so, like, 
can she really claim that? Like, isn't, like, knowing the way around right. her memories, isn't that kind of what knowing her means? And well, Joy doesn't. At the end, like, that's what basically Joy like, realizes, that she doesn't know Riley as well as she thinks she does. And, and that was that was pretty interesting. And, and also, like, talking about the world and the memories and stuff, I really appreciated how the memories that needed to be sent into the abyss were turning gray. Yeah, and, um, like, fading away. And I really like how, if you, like, look close enough and even, like, every gray mem- uh, sphere that they picked up is a... It is when Riley was a kid, like a two, really three-year-old. Oh, I didn't notice that. And and that's really cool because the movie itself, I think the animators and the creators of the movie were like, yeah, no one remembers their child. Like, right. or, or, that's what she would have forgotten. Exactly. Logically. Like when she sticks her tongue out, whatever, drawing, she's not going to remember that unless her parents tell her like oh yeah. or she might remember doing it a lot but like that was like a specific time right, or something right and it's like very menial things like for i don't know like if we go get if i go get coffee like the mon- first monday of the month like i'm not going to remember that right. i don't and even remember what i had last week exactly so exactly this is not important exactly so it's like i really appreciated that pixar took the time to like go into right even that small of a detail that it shows, shows a lot of intention right. there yeah so one i mean there, there's the islands of personality i think were are a big one and showing that they can evolve and change because when they're when they're introduced we kind of think of them as permanent they look very solid for one thing right like they look whatever like the equivalent of like rock or whatever <laughs> is in the mind world like that's what it looks like it's made of right and they look pretty solid they they're all like running at different times or whatever and then when it falls off, we're like, oh, wait, this is like, it kind of shows, I think it, it shows how the mind works. It's also a huge plot moment because we had no indication that that could happen. It's also something that is kind of relatable. Like, I, I would argue that at least for, probably more for adults, like for kids, I think I could see this happening. But I think Islands of Personality more likely kind of decay and change. Like, mm. my baseball Island of personality is in yeah. bad disrepair right now. <laughs> I don't think it's quite gone though, but it's a slow right. fade. And right. like, I mean, obviously they wouldn't have time to do something like that in in a movie. If like they made this. a sequel though, and which I really think they should, that would be so cool to see. Like, even just her going through puberty or like whatever, and like her personality changes and like. Things like that. I don't know. The, yeah. I'm digressing. But Wait, like, well, no, what you're talking about, I mean, I would like to see a sequel, too. What, those reasons you mentioned are actually a big reason people think they shouldn't have a sequel. Really? <laughs> well, because then you get into, like, the whole high school thing, and which oh. would be weird territory for Pixar. I think it would be cool right. to look into it, too. As a kid's movie, you Especially might not be able kids, to pull it off. Exactly. Like, they might have to, like, make that more for, like, teenagers. Yeah. It's a good, it's a great concept to go into, though. I think like we get a really simplified version, but there's got to be so many more complex right. levels of this. Like, well, I mean, complex levels like even even just the story itself has a bit of flaws. Um, Evan and I, and I were talking earlier about this, how even the emotions themselves have different emotions, I, 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 and not all of the emotions actually disgust, fear, and anger were consistent with their emotions, but I feel like the two that kind of showed other emotions definitely joy and even sadness to a certain degree she yeah be they're a little more mature it seems like right but it, it you know and that's one of the complications of this movie is how 
does an emotion show other emotions you know when yeah. they are the people running human emotions so yeah. is there the, al- a- the allegory falls off a little right bit. it's a little bit again like how do you fix that that's that's know. true because I mean yeah. you, you have to have them play off each other right. and if they're like static voices that doesn't quite work right. especially like you, you, I mean if you're an emotionless voice actor what do you have to work with exactly, so, like, exactly. I, I kind of like the idea that some of them are more mature than others because I think that can happen where like you understand how to be angry or fearful in a healthy way before you learn how to be like sad or disgusted or happy. Like that, I can see that happening. And again, like that—that that might be something to go into in, in like a TV show version of this, which <laughs> would be a, so much work. Like I don't think that's oh going to happen. But like, it would be cool to see the progression of it, or like as a huge fan fiction exercise to like track how like someone's emotions the ones in this movie are evolving for, like, a character in a TV show. Like, how it, the inside of their mind is changing. That would be a kind of a big undertaking. Well, kind of like a little evolution that this movie, this movie had was, you know, toward, uh, at the end when all of their memories are all of a sudden mixed. Like, yeah. you know, you see purple and yellow, and then you see, like, red and blue, and you see, like, all these different combinations in each sphere, which is, like, really... It's cool, and it... Yeah. it, it you know what? I, you know what? I also this is a little bit of a side comment. A, a thing I kind of took from it too was I think Riley had a breakdown, especially like I think that the peak of that breakdown was when she came home from the bus station and right. just collapsed crying and was really upset and whatnot. And then I think it's like character development for everyone, for so many characters. And I think that, I think the movie, this is what I got, feel free to disagree, but I think the movie was definitely like, sometimes you just need breakdowns in order to completely like have a new page and like see things differently now. And like, you need to have that rock bottom moment to build up with your different perspectives. And I think that they showed that through the combination of different emotions in each memory. Well, I mean, that's kind of what the whole sadness is the answer thing. That's kind of the answer to that. Because it's mm-hmm. kind of a question throughout, like, as joy and sadness are going around, it's like, is there actually some value to sadness? And the answer at the end is yes, there is. One thing I found, this is not really related to that, but it, you were talking about this earlier with, like, the combined emotions. I found this chart online, and I don't remember most of it, but it was, it kind of showed, like, the combination of each each of the emotions because some people say like oh where's like surprise or whatever i don't know if surprise is necessarily an emotion <laughs> but people feel like there are there's like Other five emotions. is a little oversimplified yes and then and then of course the com- combination of all of them i think covers the other emotions that people yeah. are probably and the chart i was talking about kind of has like it goes through and does like fear mixed with sadness or like i think i think the the one the one that surprise was is uh joy and fear together is surprise mm. that's the only one i remember but they have a whole chart for it wow. i think it was good that they i mean it's at least cool that they yeah, did that they did the combinations because i remember the first time i ever saw this i was like i you know at the beginning i was like i definitely feel a lot more emotions than just these five and yeah. then at the end they were like boom, like, here are the combinations. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. It acknowledges that, like, it's not simplified. Because at the beginning, we see that it's all, like, single balls with single, with one color. Yeah. And then, in the same way as we don't get any indication that the islands of personality can fall, we have no idea that within this world, 
and emotion can be two things. I think a lot of people, like we're saying, kind of know that intuitively. But it's a surprise when we see that there's the core memory with the two mixed. We're like, oh, wait, that can happen in this. Like, It's Um, a big moment. One thing I kind of thought was funny but then it made me question like why is our Riley's emotions not like that so when we get an inside look at the parent like at the mom's emotional characters and then like the father's emotional characters they all dress just like who's ever oh, minor yeah. in and even like <laughs> yeah even, the dads all have the mustache they all have the mustache <laughs> and, the and they're all male and then like the the one and the moms are all female and they all have like the same hair and then and the glasses and, and the everything. glasses and everything and then and then even like the boy that Riley bumps into towards at the end when she's about to go skating yeah and then the, and then like all of them were dressed like him and had the beanie and like the hair and they were freaking out about seeing a girl or whatever yeah I really want to know why Riley's didn't all look like her. Because at first I was like, oh, the age. But then even the boy who's her age, I I assume. You know, I I think maybe it was just played for a joke on the other characters. Although maybe there is something in that. It's also that, like, I think it would be weird watching characters that all do kind of look the same, even if they're different colors and shapes. Right. That would have been a little weird, and it shows... Because it's kind of, like, the thing is that we're supposed to be able to project onto them. It it is a weird choice, though. I'll agree with that. Very strange, and I want to know why. Like, I want to know why they decided to... Because at first it was funny, and I was like, ah But then when you really think about it, you're like, why are Riley's not? Or is Mm -hmm. it just, like, a puberty thing? Like, is that... Because that would be really funny if all of a sudden, like, if they had a sequel, and then in that sequel, like... They all suddenly they look all, like her. Exactly, and they're all like, what is that? She happening? has a little bit of a generic look to her, though, which right. I think is part of it. Like, I don't know. Blonde hair, blue eyes, tomboy. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> and she has that, like, rainbow sweater that that's symbolic, too. <laughs> the rainbow sweater. Well, I don't know. There's, like, one scene where she's wearing, like, a striped rainbow sweater, which... I mean, it's animated, so there's got to be some kind of intention there, because they have to animate all of it, I would guess. I don't oh, know what it's involved. Oh, you're talking that maybe she's gay? Is that Well, what I mean, I wasn't actually suggesting that. She could be. Um, oh, okay, okay. But I, w- I was thinking more that, like... I was thinking more of, like, the emotional complexity. Because, like, you know, all the emotions are different colors, and if she's wearing, like, a... Oh, all the um, colors on her. I don't know. Maybe it was a nod to that. Maybe it was them trying to out her, too. Um, Interesting. I think she's probably a little young to know what her sexuality is. But. Yeah, I mean, everyone has a different age, but... Uh, True. But yeah, um, it, would, it would be... I think, it, yeah, I think I think it would be a little bit of a leap <laughs> to, to yeah. assume that from one scene and one wardrobe change. No, but that would be something to go into in the sequel. Or yeah, like the, uh, the they, Adult Swim sequel. If, <laughs> yeah, something. that would be really funny if they like touched up on that. But anyway, yeah. that's all hypothetical. <laughs> There's a pretty concise exposition, too, about how the emotions work. And as as you were saying, like, there's a little bit where, like, the uh, allegory of it falls off, where it's, mm-hmm. like, the emotions having other emotions. It gets a little bit convoluted there. And there were actually in earlier drafts of it, part of it was, like, the emotions would, like, they'd have a microphone or something and try to tell Riley what to do, and she could kind of say yes or no. Mm. They ended up scrapping that, which I think was good, because I don't think that would have worked as well. Right. But they move like, there's not really, like, any real explanation, but you get a sense of, like, what the dynamic is and how, like, when each, like, each of them kind of tries to control the, like, little board in front of them, and they have, like, their favorite thing that they wanted to do. 
or something like that. And then with, like, the parents' emotions we see, they kind of have their own space, so it's like, okay, there's, like, a time for you to come in and a time for you to come mm-hmm. in. So, yeah, the al- the allegory is not, like, perfect, but I like that there's kind of the nod with the parents' emotions to, like, this isn't necessarily how everyone's works, and you can kind of evolve beyond, like, feeling all conflicted all the time mm-hmm. the way that she does. Because I think that's kind of the mental equivalent of, like, all of her emotions bickering or whatever. Right. Is, like, kind of not... You don't know how you feel. Exactly. And just how she is for most of the movie, I think. Right. So to transition into the last topic, which is kind of, like, reversing the internal and the external, I think it was good that, like, they, they really did think about, like, how to set up how everything worked in a way that felt, like, real to life. Mm-hmm. So as I was kind of just saying, like, when there's conflict between emotions, like, that can translate into like an actual feeling that she has it may not be one that we like necessarily can put our finger on but there are i think moments where you can be like okay i know what that feels like like maybe like the dinner table scene when it's like the three minor emotions in control and they're going back and forth like it's them kind of trying to figure out what to do now that she's like kind of moodless a little Mm -hmm. bit but something that i think is probably the most important aspect of it is when joy and sadness are traveling through like her subconscious and stuff everything that's happening with them everything we learn about them and their interactions that's kind of showing us something about riley and i don't want to like raz on the emoji movie too much have you seen it first of all no (laughs) okay well don't first of all because it's pretty bad um everything you've heard about it is true (laughs) clearly the emoji movie tried to rip off inside out and the big difference with that is for one thing they're inside a kid's phone instead of a kid's mind which who cares about that when like the emojis are going throughout the kid's phone we don't learn anything about the kid it's just kind of like going through the different apps for fun and making jokes that don't even really land sounds like a nightmare (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's not as bad as it sounds but it's pretty bad (gasps) um i mean it's as bad as the trailer made it look but like that was a big difference between like why these two movies that are honestly really similar in concept you have like a character that is meant to embody one emotion Mm -hmm. and those are the main characters this one works so much better because whenever we see them doing something, it's informing us about the person that they're, like, controlling. We learn so much about Riley from seeing joy and sadness do all these things and learning from each other. Whereas, like, when we see the emojis going around, it it really doesn't matter. And they tried to push the allegory, and it really doesn't work. Yeah. I don't want to, like, razz yeah. on it too much, but yeah. you can see it's a contrast that shows just how much better this movie is and how good they did with right giving that kind of exposition there's also like it allows those like smaller moments to have a lot of intent even something i remember seeing this moment and like understanding how it felt was like it's a really small one and it's kind of played for laughs but it's like when they're at hockey practice and fear is shoving all like the random hockey memories into the core memory thing he's like one of these is gonna work and then they all like fly out I could kind of see how that felt, like, in terms of, like, her playing. It's like, all right, what do I do now? Right. Like, like that feeling when the tactic that you normally go to doesn't work, and right. you're like, what do I do? Right. And she's kind of freaking out even more than that at this point. But that was just kind of a moment that I felt like had more intention than it might originally seem. And there's so many of those. And I'm sure that's one that I just picked up on, and there are a lot more that I didn't that other right. people might have. Something that I th- that I noticed on like the second time watching it that really stuck out to me is the way that 
in reversing the internal and the external, the like big explosive kind of moments are actually also some of the most emotional, which no other movie, I think, is really set up in a way that they can do that. Like, the biggest, loudest moment of the movie is probably when Goofball Island collapsed. But that's also one of the saddest ones, too, because it's like, what we're seeing is like a big part of a city collapse, basically. Right. But what it means is there's a part of Riley, it's very much about one person. When you watch, like, a city collapse in an action movie, there's no way to get emotionally invested in it. You don't know any of the characters in there. It's basically just stuff blowing up and falling apart. But in this case, like, I love that they were able to switch that around because it was, like, so cool that because of the way this is set up, they can have those loud moments be really personal like that. And this isn't something that, like, they say that, like, specifically in the movie, but as the islands of personality keep on collapsing, it gets harder and harder for joy and sadness to get back. Like, every time they go to one, like, just before they get there, or, like, a little before they get there, yeah, it's gone, and they can't get back across. Right. That feels like something that could be read into, where it's, like, because, like, she's getting more and more distraught, it's harder and harder for her to find the joy in life again. Mm -hmm. I think they also, like, and just a little last point, like, it makes... The interactions between the emotions kind of make Riley seem a little more believable. I, I think when you're watching it, it's easy to think that she's kind of bipolarish in the way that, like, one emotion will take control and then she suddenly right. feels like this. Well, at the dinner table, we see that. Because there's, like... Yeah. You know, like, there's definitely, like... She, she kind of, like, has these little bursts of, like, disgust and then, like... And then anger. And then even more anger. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Right. And if you, t- like, if you take that dinner scene at face value, if you played that whole thing without seeing the emotions in their heads... Right. It could be really easy to view that scene as, like, people not... Like, the characters aren't really behaving realistically, maybe. Right, exactly. In that moment. But I think there are a lot of times when there's kind of things that go against that, that show that she is actually a little more complex than that. It's not, like, huge moments, but there are hints of it. Like, especially the things that they see in her subconscious, like, even something like the the kind of colorless memories that are just kind of, like, facts. It it gives her a little more credit for being, like, 11 and not 3. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, Um, I guess one little thing I wanted to talk about is how, like, I really enjoyed kind of, like, the jabs and the jokes that they would make. For example, when Bing Bong, like, (laughs) like, uh, I just remember this. when, When they're about to, like, cut through the shortcut to get to the train... Through that, like, abstract... Oh, yeah, the abstract thing. scene, I thought and, was fun. That's a really funny scene, because, like, <laughs> I love... What was it? He, like, pointed at the sign that clearly said danger, and he was like, D-A-N, and then he goes... He, like, spells right. it out, and then he goes, see? Shortcut. Like, yeah, like... You know, that's, like, a little, like... But I, I think that's cool because, you know, he's supposed to be an imaginary friend from a time period where... When she was, like, three. Exactly. So, so obviously, she couldn't read. So, I think it was really cool that um, you represented that in, like, yeah, such... Yeah, there's a little more to the joke. Right. There's a, more to the joke. Another thing that was kind of an instance, like, that was when they were finally on the train, and then Joy spills the two boxes, and one of the, the boxes says opinions, and the other one says facts, and she goes... Oh no! I spilled them all. Like they all look the same. And then, he, and then, and then, Bing Bong's just like, "It's okay. Just like put them in either box. They're, they're everyone makes this mistake." And yeah. that is so. I remember good. seeing that. I was like, "Oh no! Now, like, what did you just get mixed yes. up there?" I was like, "Oh, that is so gold." Because that's gonna like screw her up. That's somehow such a jab. Yeah, and like, 
you know, it's it's like a little like again, it's a little jab that's just like haha at society. Those, I know, I know there's like maybe two or three more throughout the movie. Yeah, I gotta say, I didn't love the uh, dream scene though. That was probably my least favorite. The I dream thought, scene? yeah, oh, when they bring in like the dog that was cut yeah, in half. I, I was like, that's a little much, Cause, right? Because you don't like it, a lot of the things that are kind of funny in it are things that where it's like like the brain freeze thing when they all freeze over like we've all had a brain freeze and know how it feels right. don't necessarily like see dreams the way that they are mm-hmm. in the movie and it, it, they kind of acknowledge that because they're just like okay this is clearly like it they treat it like it's a like it's a cheesy tv movie the way that like the whole dream production is set up oh when i what i thought was kind of clever was yeah when they entered the dream section of the brain I thought it was really funny that they made that as if it was Hollywood. Right. That and is they have, so like, a whole back lot. Yes, and like, what's the unicorn's name? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember, remember that. It was like this like <laughs> bizarre name for the unicorn, and I love how Joy is like freaking out, and then she's like. Oh, I love seeing you and blah blah blah. Part three. Yeah. I love you, and then like she like runs away. I really, I, I thought that was pretty yeah. clever. My favorite one of the jokes I think was um, I liked the imaginary boyfriend generator. That was kind of so fun. good. That was kind of so funny. good. My yeah. favorite though was when they're in like the imagination land and they're doing all like the fun little things and sad. Just like, oh, why does it have to be so interactive? Yeah. <laughs> that, I love that. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. No, it was it was awesome. It's. A good movie overall. I really do enjoy it. I think um, the first time I saw it, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than now. Because I, mean, I think it gets better. No, and <laughs> honestly, yeah, it. like it, it, it does get better in certain aspects in the sense that, like, I think you know, yeah, like how old were we when it came out? I was like sixteen when I, I first 16, saw it. I was eighteen. Um, it came out twenty fifteen. So cool. Yeah. yeah, and I saw it like a few months after. It was. I do wonder what I would have. How I would have reacted if I had seen this when I was 11, though, and, like, read into it. I think, first of all, because as an 11-year-old, I would have been above wanting to admit to liking an animated movie, just because mm-hmm. that's how I was. <laughs> um, and basically, basically, I was kind of like this until I saw this movie. I was like, yeah, like, especially because at that point, I was, like, first getting into, like, critiquing movies and was like, right. oh, this is beneath me. Oh, like, my I, God. I only like David Fincher and Chris Nolan. <laughs> I guess not Fincher yet, because I hadn't quite gotten into that, but whatever. No, yeah, my, my family, I remember my family were the ones that were like, let's go see it, let's go see it, and I was like, Yeah, because, nah. oh, that was what happened with me, too, because all yeah. my siblings, I, I like... Oh, because you have younger siblings. Well, yeah, but they, like, all four of them went to see it. I, I just, I, it's not that I didn't choose to, I, like, couldn't, I was at work or something. Right. And they were like, yo, you have to see this, like, this Aww. is great, and I was like, no, it's totally not going to be. <laughs> Which, I'm right about that so much. Right. <laughs> and this one, I was very happily surprised to not oh, be. Nice. No, yeah, I, de- I definitely, I'm really happy we picked this one because this is a very touching movie and I think a lot of people really enjoy it, including yeah. both of us. That's really cool that finally, Ellie and, like, we usually agree on movies, but I think this one is, like, the most, like, yeah. we both really, really like it Yeah, a lot. it's not, like, way up on my list, but it's well top 50. Eh, okay. Definitely best animated, although Into the Spider-Verse has given it a run for its money, but <laughs> I would say objectively this is yeah. the best, even though I do have, like, some bias with it. You know, obviously, if you have any 
comments or questions or even suggestions, please, you know, Yeah, ask suggestions us. for other movies, for sure. Yes. We I, are I now on iTunes, first of all. Sorry right. to override you there. So, but um, I, that's somewhere you can send in comments now, is right. on iTunes and leave a review or a rating, too. Yes. Because you can't do comments on Spotify, but if right. you want to send in, like, a quick one, iTunes is a place you can do that now. Right. And uh, definitely email us. At, you know, you can email Evan at erw58 at drexel.edu. Our upcoming episodes are Infinity War, Harry Potter, Climax, and another one that I know we touched up on is Amelie. Yeah, That's Amelie, I think, is one that we got to do. Yeah. Because I think that might be one of the only ones like this where like we both actually love it. Yes, yes. I, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's one so of, good. if not the, my favorite movie. Um, I mean, I think a testament for me to it is that its main character is one of my emotions. Oh. <laughs> so that yeah. shows how much I like it. That's um, amazing. Yeah. So with Infinity War and Harry Potter, I personally am not a huge fan of those uh, series. Well, yeah. series well you haven't seen collection. any Marvel movies, so right. to, to I, do I, Infinity have seen, I have seen some Marvel movies, and I've definitely gotten into them, but yeah, like the Infinity War movies definitely did not. Yeah, so we're going to have a special guest for that. I'm actually yes. going to be recording it with him tomorrow night. And so, Oh, amazing. Yeah. And uh, I will not be present for those, because that's not my cup of tea, but also the Harry Potter movies, as much as I did enjoy them, I will also not be co-hosting those if you're actually I'll, I'll actually offer it now if you want to if you're enough of a Potter fan I am looking to have someone else co-host that I don't have anyone to do it right now so yeah. email me if you want to and Jump we'll see it. I don't know if there will be like an application process but if you can talk <laughs> Potter well enough you can come on and yeah. talk about it you will have to have read all seven books we're kind of going to be doing the books and not the movies for that and then for so for future Episodes, I am graduating very soon, and also I am juggling 20 credits plus two part-time jobs, so I will probably not be as active as I am right now, but I will definitely be stepping in and out. So again, if you are interested, you know, in taking over some episodes um, and even picking your own movies and wanting to talk about it, yeah, We're always looking, we're, I mean, we're open to having guest stars. Right, so always. Um, even if you don't want to be like a full-on co-host. You, you have something you want to say how much you love or less so how much you hate. Although I suppose there might be room for that if I hate <laughs> it too. <laughs> um, right. Maybe. Definitely let one of us know. Yes, and that would be great. Also, quick thank you, uh, shout out to Isabella Tarshanas again for the logo. Yep. And we have stickers with our logo on them. If you want one, you can contact one of us for those. Definitely ask for it. And as we mentioned before, we are on iTunes. Please leave ratings and reviews. And yeah, thank yeah, you. We'll be back next with Infinity War. Try to get that out before Endgame airs. So we'll see you next time. Stay tuned.